Hey everybody, happy holidays and welcome to the second to last episode of Bally Sports Miami Miked Up with Jeremy Taché of the year 2022. The final two episodes of the year are going to be a bit different than the usual interview format. Next week, you'll hear from some of your favorite Bally Sports personalities recapping what's been a truly memorable year for the teams we cover here in the Miami Heat, Florida Panthers, and Miami Marlins. But this week was a chance to remember some of our favorite moments from this year on the podcast in particular, with 2022's Best of Miami Miked Up. I won't get into every single person and every single interview from this year, but if you are listening and you are someone who joined me, whether it was for 10 minutes or 100 minutes, I'm thankful for your time. I'm thankful for your openness and your willingness to chat with me about just about anything under the sun. I'm so grateful to everyone here with Bally Sports Florida and Sun for supporting this project. I'm always going to keep hammering this home. But I never thought I'd have an opportunity to do something like this in my hometown. And I will forever be grateful that Bally has given me the chance to simply be myself on camera and on the mic for all of you. And to any listeners, whether this is your very first episode listening or you've listened to each of this year's shows, obviously your support this year has meant the world to me through your downloads of this podcast, through your listens of this podcast, or your words of encouragement on social media. This has been a bit of a whirlwind year for me professionally, and I'm so thankful to everyone who has been so kind and so supportive. So all that said, let's get into some of these memories from this year. We'll start here, the back half of the Miami Heat 2021-2022 season. As the Heat were in the midst of their run toward first place in the Eastern Conference, we had full-length interviews basically each month during the back half of the year, 20-plus minutes with a number of Heat players, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Victor Oladipo, and rounding it off with Udonis Haslam. We were also lucky enough to do the same thing in the back half of what was a President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers season with guys like Anthony Duclair, Carter Verhage, and others. And these were our first interviews outside of the media day sit downs. I feel like they gave us some deeper insight into each of these players and some of who they are off the court or off the ice. So enjoy this clip with Udonis Haslam. As the Heat are back to the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference once again, two out of three years in the Eastern Conference Finals, hoping to go to the finals for two out of three years. Can you take me through how gratifying it must be to be a part of not one, not two, but three different renditions of dominant Miami Heat basketball? Um, I think it's a tribute to, to the organization, you know, obviously to the guys up top and the decisions that are being made. Um, tribute to the culture, the coaching staff. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play that has to do with the success of the Miami Heat. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the guys that come in. You know, they got to buy in. You know, they got to want to be a part of the process. Um, and then they got to actually, it's a lot that's going to be asked. You know what I'm saying? Too much who was given, much is required. When you walk in this locker room, it's not like any other place. You're going to ask to be in shape. You're going to be asked to be accountable. Um, you're going to be asked to do all the hard stuff. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to take any easy roads. Um, and, you know, when you get guys to a certain level in their career, they make a certain amount of money. Everybody's not with that. Everybody don't want to do that. Everybody's not want, everybody doesn't want to get out of their comfort zone. And, we got a thing here, our comfort zone, your comfort zone will kill you. You know what I'm saying? Your comfort zone will kill you. You can't live in your comfort zone. You can't live in that gray area. You can't. I'd rather fail a thousand times than live in a comfort zone gray area. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you come here, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Now, this next interview may have been my favorite of the year, and that's for a number of different reasons, including what happened the night before the interview. It's hard to only include one Marlins interview here because I really loved getting to know new Marlins manager Skip Schumacher back about a month ago, but it's been incredible over the last few years to watch the growth of Sandy Alcantara as a pitcher, as a person, and also as an English speaker to the point where we could sit down for a 30-minute chat. The night before our interview, Sandy had what might have been his signature Cy Young moment of the season as he convinced Don Mattingly to leave him in the game against the Cardinals and finish out what was a complete game victory in St. Louis as the Marlins were still in the hunt at the time. His energy and his emotion was palpable. It was then and it remained my favorite moment of the entire Miami Marlins season. It was an honor to speak with Sandy for nearly a half hour the next morning about everything he was feeling in the midst of his 2022 Cy Young campaign. Because you're a guy who goes so deep into games, right? How often are you trying to set something up early in the game? So for example, you face a hitter in the first inning and you throw mostly fastballs and sinkers. And then you face a guy in the, you know, the second time around and it's mostly changeups so that you know, the third time around, they have no idea what to expect. Is that part of your game? And do you have any examples of an at-bat that, or, or a game that you can remember? Okay, I want to set this guy up early. I mean, the hitters, they, they got to take uh, the advantage during the first three innings. If you don't get your hit, you're done. <laughs> you're I, done love you know? <laughs> I love done, that. I love that. Because, I mean, after the fifth inning, you know, I just get more aggressive. I just try to, to change your mentality, you know, because I, I, I want to win the game and we're going to have a big fight, you know. But like I say, you got to take advantage during the first three innings, you know, because after that, you're going to get down. Dude, that is badass. <laughs> Earlier in the year, we took a step away outside of the direct sports world and brought in one of the biggest public figures who's a South Florida sports fan in Josh Gad. You might know Josh Gad as Olaf from Frozen, potentially as Elder Cunningham in the Book of Mormon, but he really is one of my favorite performers, and, and this was such a cool chance to get to know this guy who grew up down here in South Florida as a kid rooting for the Dolphins, the Heat, the Marlins, the Panthers. He and his childhood best friend, David Lang, who is the lead sports producer at Channel 10 WPLG, join me for a really fun conversation on our local teams and what sports fandom has meant to them as individuals and in their friendship. Is there a, a sort of initial favorite sports moment from your childhoods that you can remember bonding over? Oh, yeah. Well, I want to just so so I'm on this show today and I'm the sports fan I am today because of David Lang. So Lang is the one who I, I had no interest in in sports. And Dave and I have known each other since we were about four years old. And Dave pushed me into um, I think it was football first and okay. I started off by becoming a Giants fan because Dave was a Giants fan so I just globbed onto him and you know the Langs would take me to hurricane games and so my first experiences of like live football were going to the Orange Bowl and I remember Dave us watching uh, Notre Dame and the Canes playing and, and me falling in love with 
the sport. And then similarly, we went, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we went to one of the first preseason heat games ever. And again, like I didn't follow basketball. I wasn't a big basketball fan. And this was in the early eighties and, and Ronnie Cycli was like our star player. And we played, we played DJ Ronnie Cycli. That's right. And we played, do you remember this? We played the Maccabees. Of course, the Maccabees. We played the Maccabees. No way. Yeah. We played the Maccabees and I, that was a mismatch. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was a big yeah, mistake. Yeah. And I remember just falling in love. And then I started to realize, wait, I have a football team in South Florida. Why don't I start watching Dolphin games? And this was while Dan Marino was playing and Don Shula was coaching. Um, and the game that I remember becoming a lifelong diehard fan was that infamous game against the Cowboys and Dolphins on Thanksgiving. It was in 93, I want to say. And it was the the infamous Leon Lett uh, game. And so that was the moment that I was all in on the Dolphins. And as much as I loved watching Lawrence Taylor every weekend and growing up, you know, being a fan of the Giants through Dave, uh, my, my love for the Dolphins replaced that pretty quickly. And I've never looked back. Like in 2021, this year has had a really fun list of national sports voices join me on Miami Mic'd Up. Whether they were friends from before or became friends during the recording of this show, I'm really happy with the diversity in in voices and styles and even sports that we heard about uh, from who we had here for a national perspective on our teams down here in South Florida. Ashton Batuso, Izzy Gutierrez, June Lee, Mike Silver, Mike Golick Jr., and Zach Harper – Thank you all for offering a unique perspective on the teams our fans love. And here's a clip with Mike Golick Jr. on, you know, a topic outside of sports. I don't want to start with your favorite album because that's too basic of a place to go. But when did you when did you first get into Taylor Swift's music? Like what album did sort of send you into this sphere of, okay, I love Taylor Swift. And were you such an open Taylor Swift fan from day one? So... I, I mean, had always been aware of Taylor Swift, and I just yeah. kind of consumed it like general public. But the the album that sticks out, and it's ironic because it was the recent re release, was Red, because I was finishing up college, so I remember Twenty Two okay. came out, and okay. I was stomping around to that in bars in South Bend. It's a great party track. Of course, they yeah. were going to play that all over co- uh, college campuses. But then I went, and so that was my last fall, was 2012 on Notre Dame's campus. And then I went to start training for my pro day out in Scottsdale. The uh, It was Exos, is like one of the big box facilities that uh-huh. gets guys ready for the combine. And so I was staying in an apartment out there, and I would drive over to where the facility was every day in the morning, and we would do an early morning session, and after we'd be there all day. Mm-hmm. And so when I would drive over there in the morning, this was I was renting like a you know I was renting an old pickup truck that didn't have like the aux cord thing. So you had a CD. It didn't have it didn't have anything. So I would just take my phone and I would put on every morning. I would put it in the cup holder so it would do the reverb yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And every morning I would drive over to the facility and I would listen to "I Knew You Were Trouble." Oh, because that's gu- great. The opening guitar riff yeah. and all that just kind of got me where I wanted to go, and I it was that. such a jam. And so that was that was definitely the one that 
catapulted it because then I like the joke. Me and Taylor are the same age. Like I was a 1989 mm. baby. And so I've always felt like we have lived these parallel <laughs> lives because when she moves to New York, when 1989 comes out, she's living in this wonderful New York experience. I was living in a Holiday Inn Express in Staten Island playing minor <laughs> league football. So basically the same, same life thing. experience. Totally <laughs> just a couple of young kids moving to New York trying to make it happen. But no, from there on out, then it became right. started to become and grow more and more. And, and you got through, you know, reputation was certainly a different experience. But then you get 1989, uh-huh. you get Lover and all this stuff. And so after that, I was I was fully hooked. And, and then, you know, now we had North and Nathan do every single album which I think really got the hooks in even deeper because for me who had so much of a blind spot in you know Taylor Swift and Speak Now and some of the early albums to yeah. go back and get more of an adult education on what was going around on those things really helped further it to the point where now I'm in as deep as I've ever been. I really want to go back so I haven't listened to every single album um, and I know oh. I need to because I'm, I know they do an amazing job because every time I've ever seen any sort of clip come from there i'm like oh this is the best i would love this and in fact i and people have heard this on on this podcast a couple times before but uh i was someone who in the middle of of the pandemic when we weren't allowed to go anywhere i was just taking artists and listening to every single album from the beginning to the end and when i did finally get to taylor swift it gave me such an un like a totally different appreciation for all of the music that she had made and just you know, the songwriter and, and the way that you could be drawn into these stories, I think, is the coolest part, right? Is that there's there's these fun ways that even in, in stories that aren't necessarily made for any sort of specific audience, there's something that can link anyone to them. And it's it's just fun. Um, and so for me, yeah. yeah, I mean, listening to to all those at the beginning. So I'm I'm born in 95. So for me, some of this is coming out a little bit earlier in my experience. But yep. with with Red, like I remember that specifically being like, oh, OK, it's not just country music anymore. So I growing up in the area I grew up in where everybody like pretended like they didn't like country music. I was finally like, all right, I can like Taylor Swift and everybody's going to like her, too. It's the best. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the memories of, of sitting around playing Madden video games with friends and uh, just listening to Speak Now or Fearless or whatever those albums were. That's an uh, ultimate guys being dudes moment. Oh, right there. total just guys the being dudes. sitting around playing video games, chopping it up text, some Taylor Swift. Straight up said to text because I was prepping for this interview. I was thinking about that moment and I sent a text to my buddy who we used to literally sit around and it would be like love story would be playing and we'd be drafting in the 40th round back drafting backup offensive linemen like very seriously taking this seriously listening to Taylor Swift so I texted him we need to have one of those days sometime soon when when midnight's comes out We also offered a pretty wide array of local analysts outside of the Bally Sports family who joined the show to offer their perspective on our local teams, whether they were beat writers, columnists, podcasters, or local TV reporters, each and every person delivered with energy and information. So here's a piece with one of our longest tenured local reporters, Greg Cody. When I was 17 years old, I got hired by... uh... Jim Martz of the Miami Herald at that time. And um, uh, Jim is still around. And another person to whom I have such gratitude for for being a huge part of my life, you know, had had I gone to that interview, uh, which I only knew about because my older brother saw one ad in the paper. Uh, if I hadn't gone to that interview and been hired by Jim Martz, 
I think I would have just completely forgotten about it and, you know, gone to work at a drugstore or something. Wow. I, I don't imagine that I would have ever had the the drive to uh, to keep pressing for this. But Jim hired me and um, uh, I was a clerk in the Broward office uh, answering phones and, and doing odd jobs. And I remember the, the first phone, not, maybe not the first, that would be too dramatic. <laughs> sure. But uh, one of the first phone calls I ever took was from a young female voice. Um, can I can I speak to Jim March, please? And I said, yes. Can I ask who's calling? Chris Everett, who what? was like the biggest tennis player in the world at the time, even though she was like 18, but she was like the phenom. Yeah. And um, Holiday Park, where she trained, was a mile from the, the Herald office. And Jim was the tennis writer. So how crazy. <laughs> um, my, my first phone call at the Herald was was from uh, Chris Everett. Uh, wanting to speak to the guy who had just hired me. And and at that moment, the thought occurred to me, you know what, I have stumbled into what could be a pretty interesting job. A personal favorite moment of mine was also a full circle one for me. Uh, just a few weeks ago now, I welcomed the production staff of ESPN's Around the Horn onto the show for a special episode previewing their 20th anniversary special. Now, I was fortunate enough back in 2016 to intern with these people in college, and I can tell you they are as kind and as creative as it gets in this industry. Point blank, without them, I am not here. Here's a peek behind the scoring system, the elusive scoring system of Around the Horn. A question that everybody always has is about the the scoring system. Um, So what I want to know is, has there ever been any conversation ever about creating an official scoring system that is hey these are the textbook things that you can do to score points or can we just get a peek behind the curtain on um how the scoring actually works out around the horn jeff you want to start this yeah so uh in preparation for our 20th anniversary and the special we have coming up i've watched a lot of old tape and when Max used to host, he used to start off with, here are the rules of the show. And he would say, five points for a good point. Uh, if I mute you, that's minus five points. And the way it used to work is the amount of points you had allotted the seconds you had for FaceTime at the end. So initially, there were rules. And it would start up with a, a whole graphic of saying all the rules. But that is long gone. Yeah, clearly that's changed over. Was that just a Tony deciding he didn't want to have to follow uh, some sort of set and guidelines? What 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 happened here? Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. I think uh, <laughs> it, you know he, he wanted to be able he wanted the freedom to score how he wanted. Now that has uh, you know that's become quite the monster. Yeah. I think because <laughs> you know nobody seems to understand the scoring system, including myself. We have we have talked. Um, I know I've mentioned to Caroline. Should we put together some sort of rule book um, that has you know? I have mentioned that to Caroline. I've also mentioned to Caroline whether we should at least so that they have some working um, you know uh, of the banned words that Tony and and that and that changes from week to week. Of course. So we we've, we've discussed at least have some sort of rule book so they know the banned words, but the scoring system. I mean, that, that's a major segment on this 20th show. Nobody seems to know. Yeah, I think that's actually something professional sports leagues get wrong. Don't put out a rule book. Nobody needs to know anything or else we're going to be litigating it all the that's time. That's what I'm saying. This way we have no <laughs> issue with referees. Nobody's concerned about what the final yeah. score is because ultimately there's no real way of being able to calculate it. 
Yeah, here's the last minute report. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say when I got here a couple of years ago, I started building out our stat keeping a little bit. And I have run the numbers a couple of times to see if there's any sort of pattern or clue into how Tony keeps score. Maybe if he's heavy handed on Mondays or Fridays or what have you, nothing. Nothing. It's all just like so sporadic across the board. Just go with the flow. That's hilarious. You would think there'd be splits, right? Like early in the week on Mondays. All right. Or Friday. Yeah, like you said, he's ready to get out of there. Let's just get the scoring up. No, nothing. That's hilarious. I picture Caroline in your house. There's like one of those big uh, cork boards with like string everywhere. <laughs> exactly. The Charlie Day, always sunny. <laughs> just... and, and finally, I want to point out the backbone of this program over the last year. And that's the rest of the Bally Sports Florida and Sun family. So much of our incredible on-air talent from across all three teams has joined me this year, and they've provided not only top-tier analysis, as they're clearly intimately involved with these teams, but they've also shared their own personal journeys and personal stories with me. I'm grateful to have learned so much about them, and I hope you are too. So let's round out this best-of episode with a story from Eric Reed. They approach 50 wins now for the first time since LeBron James was in a Miami Heat uniform. As crazy as it sounds, this would be Coach Spolstra's first 50-plus win season without the big three. And it would be the 10th time in franchise history. Four of those times the Heat have gone to the finals, twice they've won it. So I know there's obviously, as you said, a, a ton of more work to do for this team. If this team goes out in a first-round exit, nobody's going to remember how fun this season was. But for you, where does it rank in sort of the pantheon of heat seasons so far as a regular season in itself when you look at everything that's happened this year? And I only ask this question, by the way, because we probably won't speak again before the season is officially over. It's a great question, and it, and it is hard to quantify. Um, but I just know how I feel about this season. Listen, we've been through, you know, three championship seasons, a couple of years with over 60 wins. Um, you know, that was that 96-97 season. Uh, you know, the original Road Warriors, um, the year where we won uh, 27 games in a row with the, with the big three yeah. and went on to win the championship. But I got to be honest with you, Jeremy, uh, I'm enjoying this season, I think, as much, if not more than any season we've been a part of in the in the 34 year history of the franchise. And I think there's a lot of factors, um, you know, after the last year to two and a half years of the pandemic mm. uh, between watching our team go to the finals and we are distanced. The team is in the bubble. We're back at the arena. Each announcer sitting in their own private little dressing room, uh, no interaction with anybody and doing a game off a little 20 inch TV screen. Right. Uh, but we went to the finals and, and it was something else. Right. And, and then all of last year of not traveling with the team and, and every time the team went on the road, we stayed back and either did it at it in our empty arena or in a, in a studio, you know, I think announcers all over the league, we were all able to pull it off, but it's not the way we've done it all these years or the way it's supposed to be done. So getting back to normal uh, with fans in the arena uh, everywhere, uh, with 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 broadcasters, again, traveling, um, you know, we've been we're back in the in the team hotels, uh, all of those things that you don't think matter that much or make that much of a difference. They do. And to be back with the team that you cover, it's hard to do it when you're disconnected with the team you're covering. 
So we feel very connected to this team. And I just love the makeup of this team before the season even started. You, you're thinking about adding a Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. and a PJ Tucker to a team that already has Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So right from the start, you're saying, well, four guys that can defend and win like they do and have. And, and then all the young players that, you know, the surprising influx of and, and improvement of Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and Caleb Martin. And there we had the Omer Yurtsevin run. Yeah. I think of all the years, Jeremy, you know, we've had this culture in place ever since Pat Riley came here 28 or 29 years ago. Uh, the coaching has been, you know, so great ever since Pat Riley arrived through the short tenure of Stan Van Gundy and now through 14 years of Eric Spolstra, there has been outstanding coaching, an outstanding culture in place. But of all the years, it seems like this this year, that, that culture and this coaching has received more credit and illumination than in all the previous years. So I think the, the individual success stories captured the country's attention, the basketball country, and finally getting the credit and the recognition that they've deserved for, for a long period of time. So I've enjoyed the season immensely. Um, and, and it's a wonderful feeling personally to be doing a job for 34 seasons. And I did 12 years of college basketball before I got to Miami, but to still enjoy it in sort of the pure uh, and very real way that we do uh, being involved with the heat, being involved with the sport, uh, being involved with this league, traveling around the country to the other 29 NBA cities and, and talking with other coaches and players and our peers, it's all come back. And, uh, and on top of that, the Heat's approaching a 50-win season and have a, have a great chance to follow that with, with playoff success. So, yeah, a long, long time ago, I, I decided on the right path, and we feel blessed every single time we walk into an NBA arena, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.